Hello everyone and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Red Rum Mysteries. Tonight's case will be on the missing Millbrook twins. Stay tuned you guys. Hello everybody and welcome to case number 3, the missing Millbrook twins. I'd just like to start off by letting you all know a big reason this case is still unsolved. It's mostly due in part to the cops never performing an investigation on it. I first heard about this case about two years ago, which is ridiculous seeing that they disappeared over 30 years ago in 1990. No media coverage was given to it, and there's still little to no information on it at this time. This case is also one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast, to shed light on mainly minority cases like this who often get little to no attention from the cops and media. Stay tuned as we dive deep into this case of the missing Millbrook twins. Danette LaTanya Millbrook and Jeanette Latrice Millbrook were fraternal twins born in Augusta, Georgia on April 2nd, 1974. From the start, the twins were said to be like night and day, not only from their looks, but to how they acted. Danette was the tallest and darkest skinned twin and known as the no-nonsense always taken up for herself twin, while Jeanette was the shorter, lighter skinned twin and also very shy. The twins were from a very close family and grew up with two other sisters. Unfortunately, their father, John Millbrook, wasn't in the picture as he was very violent towards their mother, Miss Louise. The family of five got along great with their older sister, Ascender, living pretty close by as well. In 1990, the twins were living in a town called Bethlehem in Georgia. The twins would later in their sophomore year of high school move to a nearby town of Jennings. The family moved to Jennings for a better living space, but the move soon became problematic for the twins as they could no longer take the public school bus because they now lived outside of the district. The twins unfortunately had to switch schools and take the city bus instead. On March 18, 1990, the family went to church as they normally did, and everything seemed to be going great, but sadly that wouldn't last for long. After service, the pastor at the church gave Miss Louise some money for food because he knew she was a struggling single mother. The family returned home shortly after service and were all gathered around, talking about how their weeks had went. Everybody soon got hungry and decided to get something from Church's Chicken, which wasn't too far from their house. The twins offered to go and set off to get dinner, and soon returned with the food. After everyone had eaten their food, the twins told their family about a man in a white van that was following them. Miss Louise soon became very concerned with the twins and then they told her not to worry as the van didn't follow them into the neighborhood. Later that day, the twins would go to Bethlehem to their old town to get some money for the school bus tomorrow. The twins were supposed to go to their godfather Ted's home to get the money. It was about 3 p.m. when the twins set off on their journey. The twins had taken this same trip many times before, and the walk was a little under an hour, so their mother knew when they should have been back home. 
The sun soon started to set and their mother started to become very frantic when they hadn't returned. Miss Louise called Ted to see if they were there and he then told her that they had stopped by and picked up the money and should have been back home by then. Ted did tell Miss Louise that they may have went to their cousin Juanita's house as that's the direction they headed in. Louise called Juanita and she said yes. They had stopped by and even asked her to spend the night with them, which was really weird as they knew she couldn't on a school night. Miss Louise then called her daughter a sender who lived in a house pretty close by in the neighborhood and asked if they had stopped by. A sender confirmed that the twins had been by and even asked her to walk them home. This was also strange to Ascender because they knew she was a new mom and had no energy to. Ascender told them no, but told her mom that they probably stopped by a neighborhood gas station after their visit. The family often visited the gas station and knew the clerks very well. One of those clerks was Gloria, who Louise called and spoke to. Gloria said that they had stopped by and bought a few things. The twins said bye, and by the time Gloria looked up, they were gone. Gloria didn't think this was suspicious. She just figured that they had went home. Miss Louise's next and final call was to the police to report her girls missing. The police told Miss Louise to wait 24 hours, and then they could report them as missing. Disappointed, the family waits and calls back a day later. The police let her speak with Jim Shipp, a detective, which I don't think he deserves a title of. But anyways, tells Louise they are runaways and that he's not going to look for them. Yes, you heard that right. He didn't plan on doing any kind of investigation from the beginning. Miss Louise pleads her daughter's case, saying they'd never run away and about their encounter with the white van the previous day. All of this effort was to no avail as Ship declined to listen to her or look for the Millbrook twins. The twins were just running off as runaways. The twins' father, John, was also notified of their disappearances and even went as far to tell their older sister, Ascender, to tell the cops if they asked that he was dead. Now, why on earth would a father ever say something like that and not even want to search for his daughters? A little over two years after the twins' disappearance, Miss Louise receives a call from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children saying a report came in to them indicating that the twins had been found. Miss Louise gets very excited thinking her girls had been found, but soon finds out that the tip is just a fraud. There were several rumors in the town indicating that the tip was called in by a detective ship. This was also later confirmed by Ship via an interview a few years ago. When asked his reasoning behind the tip, Ship said the case had been closed. He goes on into further stupid reasoning that I don't want to even bother repeating. In my opinion, I think Ship is a very nasty person and a sad excuse for law enforcement. I also feel if this crime would have taken place on the other side of town, the wealthier side of town with a wealthier and non-black family an investigation perhaps would have been performed and he'd never have the audacity to hinder this case being solved the way he did no bodies were found and they were also never seen or heard from again 
How do you close a case off of a basis like that? Ship also never personally saw the twins, but enough about Ship's piss poor job. Let's head back to what is said to have happened after the twins' disappearances. In order to find that out, sadly, we need to head back to the twins' own father, John Milbrook. John Milbrook had a very checkered past and so did several of his friends. John was said to be involved in a few murders and so are some of his associates. One of those associates was Ernest Vaughn, if we can even call them associates. Ernest is currently serving time in prison for an unrelated murder, but is said to maybe have answers to what could have happened to the twins. Ernest, in a recorded phone conversation, told a story of the twins coming to see their dad at a house on 3rd Street in Bethlehem. 3rd Street was known as a high crime drug area. Ernest at the time was a 12-year-old dope boy like mostly everyone in the area. Ernest says he never personally knew the twins, but he remembers seeing them come over to their father's John's house. John at the time was a crackhead who let the neighborhood gangs give him drugs and in return he'd let them sell drugs at his house. Ernest says the girls were dropped off that day by a white van at the house. One of the twins soon got to drinking and smoking weed and some of the men around saw this and waited until she was drunk to try and take advantage of her. The other twin saw this as well and began to fight for her sister. When one of the men saw this, he punched her. She then fell and hit her head and is said to have busted her head open doing this. After this happened, the men told mostly everyone to leave the house, leading people to think something even worse transpired that night. Ernest says two of the men in the house were known as Oodle Boy and Lil' Cheese. Lil' Cheese is said to be one of the main guys assaulting the twins. Now remember that white van that was following the twins earlier in the day? Well, Lil' Cheese's uncle, Oodle Boy, just so happened to have a white van just like it. It's also said that Oodle Boy and Cheese are the main contributors to the twins' death. This connection was never confirmed as there was never a police investigation. John Milbrook was said to be present and in the house at the time and never said or did anything in response to the, this allegedly happening to the twins. If this story is in fact true, it can't be confirmed by John himself as although he's still alive, he suffers from dementia. Ernest, through his story, also disclosed that the twins may have been killed and taken to the brickyards, a popular dumping ground for bodies. The brickyards, coincidentally, were less than 1.3 miles away from the exact gas station that the twins were last seen at. Unfortunately, due to the crime being almost 31 years old, most of the location has changed drastically geographically and is mostly covered in trees now. That being said, it's almost impossible to find a body out there. The bodies of Danette and Jeanette have never been found. Lil' Cheese and Oodle Boy have never been charged or even looked at as suspects for that matter. As of last updates, the local police have also assumed the incident Ernest was referring to as a separate event and not that of the twins case. The lead is no longer being investigated. The police have also claimed that Ernest Vaughn fabricated his story while Ernest Vaughn opposes and says that investigators coerced him into saying he was lying about the crime. I would like to thank the documentary, The Disappearance of the Milbrook Twins, 
for first bringing this case to my attention. I'd also like to send my prayers out to the Milberg family, and I truly hope this case can one day be solved. This case is said to still be open, and if you have any information that can lead to this case being solved, please call the Richmond County Sheriff's Office at 706-821-1000. And lastly, but most importantly, I'd like to thank the Fall Lines Podcast. Although I didn't hear the story from them, I think this case would be nowhere near where it is now without them. So thank you, Miss Laura and Miss Brooke. Until next time, stay safe and stay vigilant, my friends.